The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, o Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. I was telling um, I was telling Deacon Chuck that when I got out this morning, I, I said to myself, I was like, "There's lilies behind me, aren't there?" Because I can just feel my eyes and like my throat start to be. So if my my throat is a little funny today. I don't think I was ever aller- allergic to them, but now I notice that they get me a little bit crazy. So if I have a Peter Brady singing moment today, uh, well, that could be just me, but you know, it could also be the lilies too. So. Um, <laughs> One thing I want everybody to keep in mind on this Pentecost, something that's so important to realize, and we realize it the more that we're Catholic and the deeper that we get into our faith is this reality, is the idea that there's this unbelievable thread of continuity about our faith. And you start to see just how everything is unbelievably connected. And it's amazing, right? Because many people, before they have that that kind of real conversion, think everything is disconnected. None of this makes sense. Why do they believe that? What is this going on with that? But I want you to just keep this as the context of the whole backdrop of everything, is that the Holy Spirit overshadowed our Blessed Mother Mary and brought Christ into the world. By her saying yes and actually cooperating with that reality, Christ comes into the world. And then again, where Mary and the apostles are present, the Holy Spirit comes down upon them again in this moment to take the next step in our life. There are stages of the history of God and his people and how we move along. And these are two of the most important stages that we think of. So there's a huge context from his birth all the way until this moment right here. And what we celebrated in the Ascension, it was him being in heaven that allows this next moment to happen. So last week, I I had kind of touched on this a little bit, but I had the late masses and the Spanish mass. So some of you may have heard this, and, and many of you have not. But one of the things I had touched on is the idea that um, in, in my life, teaching, climbing, you have to learn how to fall. It's in fact, it's actually something that we teach people to do, because it's a part of the sport. And I was kind of describing that basically like each one of our lives is its own individual mountain, right? With all kinds of falls and difficulties in, in our life. And so, as I thought about this, I was thinking about one time I was teaching somebody actually how to do this very thing, teaching a young climber how to fall. So I have to explain this part first. There's a discipline in climbing or competitive climbing called sport climbing. So sport climbing is when the rope is on the ground. So the rope is on the ground, 
the climber has a harness on, and then one end of the rope is attached to your harness at your waist. The other end of the rope is attached to a belayer. They're the person holding the rope. I want you to think of the belayer as like the Holy Spirit, the advocate. They're the one who has got you. They're standing there in case you fall. Now, one of the amazing things about climbing is that when you're actually on the route, you're sort of a little bit blinded by things. You actually don't really have the best vantage point because you're a bit too close, right? You're like on the wall. Like what's in front of you is what's in front of you and you can see a little bit of what's ahead. But the amazing thing about your belayer is they can see the whole route because they're standing back from it and they're looking up at you. And so they have an amazing vantage point, much in the same way as the people that love you in your life often have a better vantage point than you yourself. We hear St. Augustine say that the Lord is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And so sometimes we get blinded by our own situation and we can't really see everything clearly. But the Holy Spirit sees stuff that we do not see, something beyond our scope, something beyond our, our reality right there. Now, before I get like, too, too deep into the, um, the, the climbing weeds, I, I want you to remember that in your life, in your individual mountain of a life, as you go throughout your life, there, out of love, your parents, family, spouses, people that really care, you, care about you and know about you are going to want something that's best for you, right? I always say that that definition that St. Thomas Aquinas gives us of love is willing the good of the other. So they're going to often do that, right? They might see a pitfall and be like, ah, I don't think you should do that because, you know, like you might have a little bit more wisdom or perspective that you can give them on the situation. And so this is just that simple reminder that's very important on a day like this. The simple reminder of our Trinity in a very simplistic form, right? Sometimes we forget that God the Father and Jesus the Son are eternal beings. So before Jesus ever enters into our timeline and comes down to earth, he's already eternal with the Father in heaven. And, that, and the nature of the Trinity is that God loves his Son, the Father loves his Son, and the Son returns that love back to the Father. And then the love is, is the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit. And so remember, anytime somebody's acting in your life to will your good, an act of true charity, the Holy Spirit is active in true love in the world. But where it gets broken is when we fall. <laughs> when we fall, when we stray. Notice how important it is that right at the end of the gospel, and I'll probably reiterate this again. Remember, it says, and when they had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And what's the last line of the gospel? Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. It culminates with the idea of the forgiveness of sins. So even though we fall, he's absolutely given us a way to, for reparation, a way to repair that relationship. And, and that exists in the sacrament of confession and reconciliation. So we realize that the sacraments are these visible signs of invisible realities, right? So last week I mentioned at the Ascension that he gives us the tools, the instruments, to be with us until what? Until he comes again. That's a part that hasn't happened yet in history. All these amazing things, Jesus has already come into the world, Jesus revealed himself to man first, right, in the word. Then eventually he comes 
in flesh. Then he ascends into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. But he says he, he'll come again. And that part hasn't happened yet. And so what's one of the gifts that we receive? We receive the gift of the Eucharist. We receive the gift of reconciling once we distance ourselves from him. And then we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about the following part, because that's always a lot of fun. So now here's the thing. When somebody's sport climbing, remember that rope is on the ground and it's tied into them. There are bolts in the wall at different intervals as you go upward on the wall. And as you climb, you clip in. And then you climb further, and then there's another one, you clip in again. Now, the most terrifying moment in every climber's life is this. When you're at the next bolt, but you can't let go to grab the rope to clip in. Because what happens is you're like, you're shaking, and you're like, oh no, I can't let go and grab the rope. And that's a terrifying moment for every climber, because that means you're at the maximum fall distance. You're where you should be clipped in, but you haven't clipped in yet. And so this is what happens in a climber's mind. You start doing the math, which is not a fun thing to do when you're like gripped by fear. And you're thinking, oh, well, how far away was my last bolt? Let's say your last bolt was 10 feet away. If it's 10 feet away, then you're going to fall twice the distance of that. And then the rope is also going to stretch because all that, and that's on purpose, so all that shock load doesn't go to the climber, that it gets absorbed by the rope. So you're going to fall probably over 20 feet right? That's not something that everybody loves the idea of. And bolts out there in the world, they could be five feet apart, 10 feet apart, 20 feet apart, more than 20 feet apart. So you can take falls 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, more than 50 feet. I remember the first time I took a climbing fall over 40 feet, I never felt closer to the Lord, our maker, than that moment. And guess what? I carried it with me for better or for worse, the rest of my life. Truly, the rest of my life, I never quite climbed the same when I remembered what that fall was like. It's much like that in our own life of sin. Sometimes when we fall very big, and it's a, and it's a difficult one, that sticks with us often, even if we've been reconciled with the Lord. Sometimes I have to remind all of us of this, that just because we're absolved and the Lord is truly forgiven, Sometimes the consequences of our sin might still be sort of out there in the world. You know, maybe part of your sin was offending somebody or was against somebody else. Well, even though the Lord's forgiven you, sometimes you might still suffer some consequences of the fall, right? We all suffer the consequences of the fall of Adam and Eve, of original sin, right? So that's the context that we're in. But remember, we've been given a way back. The forgiveness of sins is a way back into Christ. And why, why do we need this? We need this because we can, the Holy Spirit cannot be fully active. Our communication with the Spirit cannot be active unless we are in a state of grace. I always think of it like um, being in a state of grace is like our spiritual antennae are like fully too. Well, some of you remember what it was like to have antenna you know, for your TV or something like that, right? And you'd take your brother and make a foil hat and, grab, and he'd hold the antenna just so it could be clear, right? That was just kind of a different era of things, right? But, but when it's not clear, we remember what it was like to have snow on the screen or the liney stuff like that. That's what it's like when we're in a state of sin. Now, go back to I was teaching a young climber how to fall. And so this is how we used to do it. You would climb all the way up, so you'd climb, clip, 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 and then you would get to the very top of the wall, and you would not clip the last clip. 
You'd be holding on to the top of the wall, and you counted, you simply counted to five and let go, right? You know, this is more simple for some people than others. So on this particular day, young climber, who shall rename nameless, but is still a good friend of mine, she, her, her counting sounded a little bit like this. One, two, three, four. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't let go. And this went on and on. For 10 minutes, she held on to the top of the wall. I was like, where did this newfound endurance come from? You've never hung on to the wall this long in your entire climbing life. But yet, out of fear, she held on to the top of the wall and just repeatedly count to four and then said, I can't do it, right? And then finally, after 10 minutes, of course, I was just like, you have to let go. <laughs> but that's us. We have got to let go. Because why? What's at the other end of the rope, right? It's the Spirit. The Spirit has got you, but we don't always trust that. We have our divine mercy image right here in the side transept. What does it say at the bottom of a, G a divine mercy image? Jesus, I trust in you. We need to have trust. We have to be able to let go of our past life of sin. And again, if we fall, though, there's always a way back, the forgiveness of sins. Now, the next step in the climbing world, a lot of people would ask me about this. Like, why do you even like it in the first place? Like, why would you subject yourself to this kind of difficulty? It was one of the first sports I ever played where I was confronted with three, three amazing realities. When I was on the wall, I was afraid, so there's fear. There was the physicality of it, like the actual difficulty of climbing, doing something physically taxing. And then the sort of mental fortitude that you needed. So there's three things that, that I noticed that were there. And it made everything else fade away. I really wasn't able to think about anything else when I was afraid, when I had to perform physically, and I had to think about what I needed to do next. And here's a founding principle in climbing. Three points of contact. Three points of contact if we think about a tripod are always in balance, right? We all have a chair or a table that has four legs, and one of them is a little shorter than the other, and it gets the wobble, right? But amazingly, about a tripod, it always finds its balancing point, right? So the same thing goes for climbing. You have to have three solid points of contact. And when you don't, there's this move that we call in climbing, let's say my right hand is on and my right foot is on, but this whole side of my body is somewhere out in space, and you're like this. We call that a barn door because that's what you look like. Your body swings open like a barn door, and that is not balanced. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gives us balance in our life, but it's the Spirit that is the way that we receive it, even though it's an invisible reality. I often remind us that a sacrament is defined very simply as a visible sign of an invisible reality, right? We use things like bread and wine, like oil, like water, physical stuff that we actually need to be human beings on this earth to give us something that we usually can't see. You know, God's grace, the Spirit, being actually infused in us. And that's what we want. For the whole Trinity to be infused in us is to be in this state of grace and to be in great communication with God. It's amazing when you're in just that, that state. As complicated as that might seem, but as simple as it is to attain, right? 
Isn't it amazing that somebody could not go to confession for 30 or 40 years, and they could come back to the church, go to confession, receive the Eucharist, and be back in the church? That's an unbelievable amount of forgiveness that the Lord has. He always gives us a way back, a way to rebalance things in our life. But we've got to be solidly anchored in those three, three points in our life if we want that to happen. I was listening to, to Bishop Barron speak about, about something the other day, and he was talking about that doesn't mean that our life is not going to be hard, that it's not going to be difficult. He was talking about Jacob wrestling with God. If anybody's ever wrestled before in their life, that's like an extremely taxing sport. You know, you are fully engaged with the other person, almost like contact on contact the entire time. And it usually only lasts a few minutes. How long was Jacob wrestling with God? The entire night. The entire night he is wrestling with God. Part of being in the embrace of God or being one of his believers is that he is willing to engage on you at that level even if there's something that you're struggling with. Another thing that Bishop Barron had talked about, and this sounds a little shocking at first, and I think it's kind of meant to, but there was a mother who had a, a child in the hospital who was dying of cancer. And she was absolutely grief-stricken, and it was a great, great struggle for her. The hospital was a Catholic hospital named after our Blessed Mother Mary. And what happened? This mother went outside, and she was picking up clods of dirt, and she was throwing them at the statue of our Blessed Mother Mary. And then one of the people said, you have to go out and stop her. And one of the religious sisters said, no, she's praying. The religious sister realized that there was something far, that it was not that she hated the Blessed Mother or hate her faith, but she was wrestling with the difficulty of it. And, and what we would say, the problem of evil, why we suffer things even though we're on this journey. But it's because we do live in a fallen state. But don't confuse that with the idea that we are not created good. This is something that still bleeds into the world and into the Catholic faith a lot, too. The earth, humanity, is created good. But once sin enters into the world, we have this tendency, what we call concupiscence, we have a tendency to be like, there's sin right there, and you're just like, I just want to touch it. Right, right? And that's, that's what it's like. We just have that tendency to want to step over the line and do something that we shouldn't. But we say in the Our Father, it's just like, as it is in heaven, you know, so it be on earth, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven comes down. That's the restoration of the world. The two actually meet and are restored. It's not like Plato thought, that our body is this terrible shell that just anchors us down to the world and we must be free from it in the spirit. It's like, no, remember, we believe in a bodily resurrection that one day your body will be reunited with your soul and all that stuff will be made new again. So the earth is created good. You're created good. We're stewards of the creation that we've been given. And so we also have care for that. So that's a difficult balancing act. But it's some, something that the Lord gave us, a very high bar to reach, is Christianity. Try to always strive to do that the best we possibly can in our life. And so we want to be able to receive the Spirit in its absolute fullness 
as much as we possibly can, to, to live a life of balance. But what that's required, right, right after they receive the Spirit, is to be right with God. If we can remember that, that he gives us a way back, that he gives us tools for the journey until we're with him again in heaven, when all things are made new, then we can get through the falls. We can rebound from the fall. We can actually overcome these things. And we just become stronger and stronger people because it actually teaches us how to love more purely, how to love like God does. And when we don't, then we go back and we sort of start over again. Throughout my life, I've been very, very blessed to see so many beautiful things, so many beautiful things out in nature. And I've mentioned this before, but the most beautiful thing I have ever heard in my life, and because of this very thing, that the Lord has put me into the position to be an instrument of his grace for the forgiveness of sins, the most beautiful thing I ever heard is when somebody says sorry to God. I cannot tell you how many, in my short life as a priest, how many already thousands of confessions I've listened to, that when somebody starts the words of the act of contrition, just how often just those words will bring somebody to tears. I've never heard anything more beautiful than that. Saying sorry to God, and it brings somebody to tears. It usually starts to bring me to tears. I'm starting to finally like be able to function and say the words of absolution in a normal voice without being choked up. But that's how beautiful it is when we reconcile with God, when we're back in his company. And I know that's how beautiful it is for all of you. Because I can hear it. There's no contrition like being brought to tears. You can hear the genuineness and the authenticity in people's voice in that moment. So he wants to be reconciled with us so we can receive him fully. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. If we can receive that, then we can give that to other people. And then we will be willing his good to each other and to the whole entire world. And that's the way that we heal a creation that was created good. God bless you all.